This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Oh, come on. We need something coming in. Austin, let's go. That's all right. What, did I come out too far enough for him? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> it is Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Greg Linelli with you. Dave Mishkin is with me. We've got a game tonight. Austin Wright, Steve Ersnick, our producers and engineers with us at Bolts Radio. We will get into some questions when it comes to the Lightning, maybe even the Sharks and... You know, kind of uh, where that team is. We don't get a chance to see the Western Conference a lot. I always find it fascinating whenever the Lightning go out west because I think sometimes you're dealing with not only the team, their partner, but at the elements as well. And I would say elements, you're dealing with a time change. And the time change can factor into a player's or team's routine. And that can sometimes be an issue. But they come here to the East Coast. You want to take care of business and gobble up a couple of points tonight against the team that, let's face it, Rebuilding doesn't get said often because of the salary cap world we live in with the NHL. And I think if you are rebuilding, those rebuilds shouldn't last more than a couple of years. Because, again, uh, the ability to uh, go out and acquire a free agent or two, because let's say you're not up against the cap, because you're not paying a ton of superstars at that point, you're rebuilding. But also you should have some high-end draft picks that are knocking on the door and playing pretty quickly, which should be a pretty decent amount of talent on the roster. So uh, I, I think it's fair to say the Sharks are rebuilding. How long that rebuild goes on for, I don't know. But it, it's very rare, I think, to catch a team in a rebuild mode in today's NHL. And not to say this is a gimme two points, because we know there's a lot of parity in today's game. It's one of those things, I think, when you take a look at where the Lightning are and where Tampa Bay wants to be, I think it's a situation where these two points, I don't want to be hyperbolic, uh, are pretty valuable. And they're pretty valuable uh, in a couple of different ways. One, you want to keep the good play going. I think we all understand that. But I think, two, every point you get, in my opinion, with Andre Vasilevsky not in the lineup, I think is a pretty big deal. And it's not to take anything away from the team and the goaltending this year. The goaltending actually has been quite good. I think we all can agree. In fact, if you were to take a look through, what, six, seven games, what's been the best aspect of this Lightning team so far this year? Dare I say it has been the goaltending. And I think that's been a situation where I'm not sure anybody would have anticipated that with Andre Vasilevsky not being in the lineup. Biggest surprise so far through the first couple of weeks, no doubt, has been Jonas Johansson. He has been legitimate. He has been really good. And he's probably been the biggest reason why Tampa Bay is where they are right now, with an opportunity to get a couple more points tonight. Do we have my partner, Dave Michigan? Partner, are you there? I hope so. Am we I got finally you. on? <laughs> Did the hamster I think, stop? I said the hamster well, stopped running. Dude. Well, I fell into the black hole, and I don't know how that was possible because I'm sitting in Studio Central. But hopefully, the For Lightning sure. get off to a better start than we did on this show. I think that was your point at the beginning, wasn't it, Greg? <laughs> it was. They don't want to overlook San Jose. <laughs> See, I was listening to what you were saying. I just, you know, a lot of people are like, "Mute Michigan." It's about time. Don't let him talk at all. That happened. No, we need more. First, but you know what? What minutes. I was saying at the beginning, it's very rare in today's game where you see a yes. team rebuilding. And you said they should play the same way they did against Carolina, and I would agree with that. I think everyone wants them to play the same way. But let's be honest. I mean, the reality is that the Lightning were geared up to play Carolina coming off a really frustrating, disappointing loss. This is a completely different scenario. They know the Sharks are struggling. They know they're coming off a solid win. So it's a different mentality, but you want them to go out and perform the same way. And let's see if they're able to do it. Sharks have had a tough start to the year. And you know where it's really noticeable? Their offense. They've scored eight goals in six games. Hard to win. When you're averaging it under is. two goals a game. It is. And, you know, I think you did a pretty good job of breaking down, like, what does their team look like from a, you know, 30,000-foot overview 
uh, from that perspective. So, you know, they have a couple of guys who they brought in or returning players who are legitimate NHLers, veteran guys. Duclair, I think, was the, the one guy you mentioned that caught my attention. Yeah. It's always interesting finding where some of these guys land. I didn't realize Duclair went to San Jose. <laughs> that was a trade. Remember, the Panthers yeah. got Stephen Lawrence. Right. You kind of forget for them. Yeah, you kind of forget a little bit. And San Jose is really interesting, Dave, because I don't want to say for the longest time, they had the one Stanley Cup run where they lost to Pittsburgh. I think it was, what, 2017, 2016. 2016. And then and, they lost to the Blues in the conference final in 2019, a series they led 2-1. to one. They're just a team, honestly. Like, I almost put them into the – with, like, the Nashvilles where I feel like they've had really good teams over the years, but they've never been able to break through. Well, they had you know? some they, – they, they were among the elite – I'm trying to remember. I don't know if they had a consecutive playoff streak. It wasn't as long as Detroit's. And they might have, there may have been a year in there where they missed. But basically from like the mid-2000s through 2019, they essentially were in the playoffs every year. And a lot of those teams were high-end teams. They won the President's Trophy in 09. That was Dan Boyle's first year with the Sharks. I mean, when they had... Thornton and Marlowe. I mean, they had some high-end teams, and they got deep in the playoffs a number of years, and they often lost before they got to the Stanley Cup final. That, to me, is a little different than Nashville, which was just kind of, they were kind of stuck in the middle for a lot of years, I think, and often they wouldn't go deep in the playoffs. I mean, the Sharks, the one year they lost to Vancouver and the 2011 year when the Bruins beat the Canucks. One year they lost to Chicago in the conference final. I think that was the, the Hawks' first cup of the three in a row that they had. And then, of course, I just mentioned they lost to the Blues in 2019 in the conference final. They lost to the Penguins in the Stanley Cup final in 2016. But those days are long gone. And, you know, it's not a direct correlation because there are other things that happened. But, you know, basically, when things went from good to bad for San Jose, when Joe Pavelski left. Yeah. That's basically it. Like, Pavelski got injured in that 2019 run. Remember that crazy Game 7 they had against Vegas? Barkley Goodrow scored the overtime goal in Game 7 for San Jose. But it was it was a seven-game series that went the full seven, and the Golden Knights were leading Game 7 3-0 in the third period, and Joe Pavelski was injured on a face-off play, and the Golden Knights ended up getting assessed a major penalty, and the Sharks scored four goals during the major to go up 4-3. This is Game 7 in the third period, and then the, the Golden Knights tied it with a sixth attacker goal, Marcheseau. They go to overtime, Goodrow wins game seven. I can't remember. I don't know if Pavelski played again the rest of the playoffs because it was a pretty serious injury. He hit his head, I think, off a face-off, if I'm remembering right. The fans might remember better than me. But Pavelski's impact on this team, this team being San Jose, was to say it was significant would be an understatement. Now, there are other things that have happened since then, right? Like some of their players got a little bit older. You know, they had an experiment with Evander Kane that didn't work out very well. Eric Carlson was hurt. Now, last year he was healthy, but the team was was no longer really competitive at that point. But, yeah, they are definitely in rebuilding mode. But you wonder, had they been able to keep Pavelski or had they made the choice to keep Pavelski because – you know, he went and signed in Dallas. Would they have would they have remained a little bit more relevant? Because Pavelski is showing no signs of slowing down, is he? No, I mean he's been I mean, he's really put himself in the conversation, I think. And and fans don't care, but I think we always like to talk about legacies and mm-hmm. what does that mean? I mean, don't you think Pavelski's kind of put himself in a position where he could be considered a Hall of Famer? Yes. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's kind of the Andrachuk formula in that for sure good comparison you know because he's done it at a high level for a very very long time not that you know 
he won the Rocket Richard one year or was the scoring champion one year or was among the top three or four scorers every year for like a seven or eight year period, what Pavelski has done is been consistently good in a lot of different areas for a really, really long time. Some people might say that that is not Hall of Fame worthy, but I yeah. am not one of them. I, I think that that is something that makes you worthy of, of yeah. getting into the Hall of Fame. The fact that you were able to do it for 20 years or whatever. It's a good point because it's one of those situations where I think when I take a look at the Hall of Fame, I've always been, my bar is pretty high. I think you need to be at least considered one of the best players during your playing time for at least five or six years. Where I, I could sit there and say, you know what? I'm not yeah, sure you he, can say that about Pavelski, though. So well, that's, do you that's think what he's I mean. a Hall of Famer? That's what, but I, that's why I think your Dave Andertruck comparison is great. Because I think yeah. if you have the longevity there's a way, and you're productive, that's the other side of it, you can get around my argument. Because there's guys maybe played eight or nine years, Dave. Let's say they were really good for six or seven of them. And when I say really good, maybe they were the best player in the game or one of the top five or six. I, I would almost, I, I really don't care that they quote-unquote didn't have the numbers. Um, because you would think if they were one of the best during that period of time, even though their playing career was less than a decade, their numbers are still going to be pretty good. In other words, you may have a forward who maybe didn't hit 500 goals during that period, but maybe they're in that 350 to 375. They were a point-per-game player. They were an all-star. Maybe they won a Stanley Cup. I can meet you more than halfway to get that person into the Hall of Fame, more so than I could somebody who played 15 years, was very good, tapered off towards the end of their career. Maybe their numbers look better, but mm -hmm. the eye test said to me, I don't know if they were as impactful as the guy who had a shorter career, but who was more dynamic. But I think Pavelski and Dave Anderchuk specifically, they Anderchuk played long enough. also set the power play goal he record. Did. I mean, so, I mean, he, he had some he major did. accolades along the way. but And when you hit a certain number, you probably need to be in regardless. So, I yeah. mean, he hit 600 goals. I mean, that's... Yes. what Whatever you thought about Dave Anderchuk as a Hall of Famer or very good player, like there's certain benchmarks you hit as an athlete. That discussion probably gets tabled. And you just kind of let the player in. That's well, kind of how I look at it. Pavelski's numbers, I just looked them up. He's over 1,250 games. He's over 1,000 points. But a lot of players have, I shouldn't say a lot of players. I think there are, there are a handful of players, probably more than a handful, that have eclipsed 1,000 points that are not in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's not an automatic, although... It certainly helps. And he's at 452 goals and 555 assists. But his first year, 06-07. So he is in year 18 right now. How many points has he hit? 1,007. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... That's a nice. That's a nice number. You think that's good enough? Also, nice 139 number. points and 182 playoff games. I, again, I may have looked at Joe Pavelski and said, "Very good player." Yeah. I don't know, superstar. Very good player. If but he had retired, good, if he had retired after his last year in San Jose, we probably wouldn't even be having this discussion. But he went to Dallas, and his goal total in the four years that he's been in Dallas. Now, the one year was shortened due to COVID, but he actually played more games that year than the next year. So he had 14 goals in 1920, and then the next three years, 25, 27, 28. I mean, it's impressive. Now, if he hadn't been in Dallas, let's say he'd stayed in San Jose, you know, he's getting to play with Robertson and Hintz. That helps, right? But right. he's helping power play too. time. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's always anyway, very good. the Sharks have struggled to score goals. <laughs> <laughs> and you said if Logan Joe Kuchur's Kuchur's out, right? were still on their team, I think they would probably have more than eight goals in six games. I mean, that's putrid. I mean, let's just call it what... And Logan Couture is out, correct? Yeah, he's been hurt all I mean, year. That's a, I mean, he's basically been Mr. San Jose since all those guys left. And they traded Timo Meyer, who was a game-breaker, let's be honest. Yeah, he was right, a guy who right. could score. So who's left? For sure. Hurdle. Jan Ruta. Jan Ruta is <laughs> not going to score... No, I know. Enough goals for them to offset 
whatever that deficiency is going to be. But they have some young players. They're excited about their first-round pick from 2021, William Eklund. Yeah. And we'll see. But, I, I mean, it's rebuilding. But, you know, there is a difference between, let's say, the Sharks and Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim Ducks have had some really high draft picks the last couple of years. And you figure maybe it's not this year, but you figure some of these guys are going to evolve into big-time players in the NHL. I don't know if I can say the same about the Sharks. Yeah. So maybe the rebuild takes a little longer, although who knows? Well, what do we often say? It's it's hard to to kind of take that step in a rebuild without game breakers. And I'm not sure they have any game breakers currently in the NHL. No. Maybe and, they have know, some guys coming down the pike, but And that's why it's important to win. Easier said than done when you have a loaded roster like they had, you know, a few years ago, Dave. I mean, they yeah. had Hall of Famers up and down that lineup. They, they could just they, Eventually, you're going to be faced with a decision that they've already made. We've got to get rid of probably most of our veterans who got us pretty far, and we've got to do a major rebuild. And, you know, look, I, I, I kind of compare all these teams to the Lightning Day because I do think they are the the golden egg that kind of sticks out during this time. Look, look at how long this competitive run has been, but look how they've been able to keep their head above water, still having that reinforcement of young talent, complement the core group of players who are still relatively young and still win at a pretty consistent level. As I've always said about the Lightning, not every year they're going to be a favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. This year could be that that year. I mean, you could make the argument. But I don't think you're ever going to look at this team and say they're not a playoff team. Keep going. And then, look, some years might be better than others in terms of winning a cup. I think a lot of that has to do with your young players who are your studs need to be performing at a pretty high level for you to make that legitimate Stanley Cup run. And when you go back and look at the Lightning over the last handful of years and their Stanley Cup runs, they've had young enough players perform at a high level uh, at certain positions that has allowed them to be successful and be that competitive. And this year we're, we're talking about, I mean, Dave, what's coming out of this year's team, assuming they can afford him and he continues to play this well, I mean, have they found their backup goaltender? Well, he's getting the start tonight. Yeah, we haven't really touched on the lightning side of things for tonight's game. So Johansson is getting the start. That was something we were kicking around on yesterday's show. Other than, well, including that, I should say, it's the same lineup. Why would you change after the performance they had against Carolina? So the lines are the same. Paul is still with Hagel and Stamkos. Sorelli is still with Merola and Janot. And the D switch-ups are, are the same in that Radish is with the Han and Pervix is with Sergachev. I just want to put an addendum on this, Greg, as I looked it up because I was curious. So the Sharks missed the playoffs in 02-03. That was kind of where I was remembering. Maybe they started their run 03-04. They actually got to the conference final. That was the year the Lightning won the Stanley Cup, beat Calgary. Calgary beat San Jose in the conference final. So starting with the 03-04 season, through 1819, they made the playoffs every year but one. They missed, interestingly, in 1415. And then the next year, they got to the Stanley Cup final and lost to the Penguins. And if you want to go back before 0203, which was the year they missed the playoffs before that run, they made the playoffs five years in a row. So, so from 97 to 19. You can do the math. One of those years, there was no hockey, 0405. But every other year, there was a season played. The Sharks missed the playoffs only twice. But since 2019, they missed the playoffs four years in a row. Yeah. So their window closed, and they didn't really have kind of the the cupboard wasn't even half full for them to start rebuilding. So that's where they are. It's, it's it's really interesting. Speaking of rebuilding, Nikita 
Kucherov mm-hmm. tweets at us. Nod Bolt's question. What do you make of the Capitals? Are they in serious trouble? Is this a good look at a team that didn't quite look to the future after the cup run? Yeah, I, I don't think they're very good. I mean, well, I they just, won last night. Say. They beat the Devils. Yeah. I mean, they're just, I, I don't think they're very good, and, and maybe that changes. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a good example of a team. And they're like Pittsburgh. I mean, how many times are we going to talk about this? These are teams that have aging stars who, while those stars are still there, I think Washington probably went that route more so than Pittsburgh. I want to say rebuilding. I think they were more inclined to let go of some potentially high-end guys than mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. I don't think if you have Sidney Crosby or if you have Malkin partner on that roster, you're, you're going to rebuild. I just don't. But here's the thing about the Capitals. So they scored, what, six goals last night? Ovechkin got his second empty netter. They are averaging two goals per game. And that is after they put in six last night. So maybe, look, they're going to get their offense going. They have a new head coach this year. They do. But They are a team that you figure if they're going to be struggling, it's not going to be putting the puck in the net, right? I mean, they still have Carlson. They still have Ovechkin. They still have Backstrom. They still have Kuznetsov. They still have Oshie. I think those guys... They have offensively talented players, but they have gotten off to a horrendous start this year in terms of their stats. You're right about those players, and the name suggests that you're right, but I don't know if they're the same players that we've seen before. And maybe that's what we're learning. I heard heard Pierre Maguire on a show the other day when I was in the car, and they were talking about the Capitals, and he just came out and said, like, Backstrom looks like maybe injuries have taken a toll. Yeah, they have. He's had a lot of injuries. And Ovechkin's slow start, maybe that's because Backstrom hasn't been the force or just has been injured, whatever the reasoning was. That's a team partner that probably, if you wanted to expedite the the rebuilding process and get more assets, you're not going to get rid of Ovechkin. And maybe you identify somebody else on that roster that you would consider like an untouchable but that's probably one of those teams where, especially if you don't have a lot in your minor league system, you're probably unloading strategically because that's off. Maybe even Tom Wilson. Mm-hmm. Well, you would get a lot for Tom Wilson. I think you would. Yeah. And you just have to ask yourself the question, by the time we're competitive, do you think Tom Wilson is still going to be the force Right. He is now. And, you know, if you got a few draft picks or if you got a couple of prospects for Tom Wilson, I think there are a lot of teams who would who would like to have that guy, even though he's I don't even want to say borderline goes overboard. I mean, I think he does. But I mean, if Tom Wilson was available and you said, well, I get a six foot four power forward who can score, but also protect my stars and maybe Washington eats some of his salary or whatever that issue is with salary cap. I think there'd be a lot of teams partner who would line up assuming they had the assets to take on a guy. Because Netsoff's name has been thrown around there the last couple of years. Some of that was because some issues off the ice. But he's a really talented player. And again, everybody's looking for talent. Because Netsoff's still relatively young, right? I mean, we're not talking about a 35-year-old player. He's younger than certainly Ovechkin and Baxter. Yeah. So I, I think for them... Uh, and like I said, Pittsburgh's in a different spot just because I don't I don't think you're going to rebuild with Malkin and Crosby. But you can make a case they should have, but they're not. I think the Capitals outside of Ovechkin, I think everybody's fair game. And that's the quickest way to rebuild if you don't have a deep farm system. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes. I think that's a team that probably missed the boat to really rebuild, but I think with the assets they do have, they probably should explore what can you get for some of these players that they have on the roster. Basil says, totally agree that these two points are important. There are no easy games in the NHL. Every team is dangerous, but this is as close as it gets to an easy game at home against a struggling team. Gaining the points doesn't seem big, but losing them would. Yeah, I mean... Well, I would remind the fans, and last year they had Timo Meyer when the teams met in Amelie Arena. It was before the trade, but the Sharks did beat the Lightning here. It was in overtime. They won that game. Like I said yesterday, the Sharks are not going to go winless in 82 games. They're not. You just want to make sure that you take care of business when you are their opponent. Yeah. I think that's that's right. 
And um, that being said, Basil, if the Lightning lose in regulation to the Sharks, it's not going to feel good talking about it tomorrow. It just that's no, that's sports, and it, that's that's a product of where these teams are and where they they want to be. George says, with how good the lineup has started to play the last two games or so, who do you think goes down when Mott returns? <laughs> uh, I feel like I have these questions often. We have these questions often. Mott is not, his return is not imminent. There is so much that can happen between now and that point. I'm just going to say, if you want to answer that, Greg, that's fine. No offense to the fan who wrote the question, but we are way too early to begin talking about that and as we often say these things tend to work themselves out so when Mott is actually skating and getting close to returning okay we can talk about it I hope yeah, that wasn't I, too I, dismissive but I, 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 mean, I, 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 I think that that's not I mean, a question that's relevant to today maybe I'll, I'll dip my toe in a little bit I mean you know Merla showed well uh, I don't know if you want to send him down or scratch him. You know, I'll, I'll give you the either either or there. I mean, I somebody's going to have to go down though. I think that's sure. what the fans are. It was not just this for fan. Sure. We had a question that was similar to that yesterday. I, I just, I mean, would you agree, partner? Well, now look, if you were to say Merla, he can go down. He can clear waivers, which I think he can. Correct. Um, yes. If that's part of it, then I understand that might be more of a business decision than it is a performance. But if you feel like Merla can help you win games and, and you feel like he's somebody you want to keep at the NHL roster because he's going to get better, then you probably keep him up there. Now, if you want him to gain some confidence offensively and maybe you go to him and say, listen, go down to Syracuse, be on the first line. You know, we want to see you fill the net a little bit. Maybe I can buy that argument. Although, again, you're talking about an uh, uh, I know this sounds like a contradiction, an older, younger player. You know what I mean? Like he's got professional mm-hmm. experience, maybe not at the AHL level, but he's he's somebody that has professional experience. I'm not sure I buy completely. I don't know about Austin Watson. I like him. But I think it's pretty clear, partner. Would you agree that, you know, uh, in terms of what we've seen so far, he would be the odd man out. He's the 13th forward, but the he's Lightning the might not forward. want to send him down. They may not want to. And I don't know if anybody would claim him. I don't. You know, I mean... Some of that, a lot of it's going to be cap related. You know, can a team afford to bring him on uh, at this point? I don't know. I think Mott's, when he's ready to go, I think he's going to be on the roster. I think you brought him in because he is somebody that you felt like could help you on the PK, bring a lot of speed and a little skill to potentially the fourth line. Yeah. So that's how I would answer that question being as honest as I could. Well, thank George. you for answering the question. <laughs> Basil says, when I watch the Caps, it seems to me that they try to get the puck to Ovi way too much, especially on the power play. They're very predictable. Always tremendous, obviously, but his days of carrying the load may be behind him. Well, is it is it too early in this long process, which started with his first game in the NHL, really, for Ovechkin, to say that Ovechkin wants the record? Ovechkin wants to Heck be... Yeah the goal-scoring champion in NHL history. And for him to to break Gretzky's record, like, he can't just rely on scoring 10 goals a year. He's going to need to have, we'll call it, productive seasons for multiple seasons. And his teammates want him to, to reach that mark. I have not watched their games, yeah. but I, I am not surprised to hear Basil saying they are looking for him. I mean, even when we weren't talking about a goal-scoring record, they were looking for Ovechkin because he's a weapon on the power play. Certainly. I mean, how many of goals has he scored from that spot on the power play? But if the other team recognizes that it's coming, they can close on him, and you're going to have to find other options. When the Caps power play, and I will say has been working its best, and it has been a great power play for a long, long time. It wasn't only Ovechkin. It's kind of like the Lightning's power play and how it's set up. They have that guy at the point, although it's a righty, not a lefty, Carlson, before that Mike Green. They have a guy at the opposite circle, usually Backstrom over the years, sometimes Kuznetsov. And then if it's not Kuznetsov, he's the guy in the Nick Paul spot, the goal line extended, a lefty who can feed the puck 
through to Ovechkin or to the slot in the bumper spot where it's Oshie. So you have other weapons besides Ovechkin. But I know that they had not scored a power play goal hitting into last night's game, I confess. I mean, I can look it up pretty quickly, but I'm not sure if they've actually even scored a power play goal yet on the year. Let me check their percentage. Yes, they, had, they so they got one last night, maybe more than one. They're 10.5%. But, like, that's another reason why they were stuck at two goals right. per game on average if their power play is dried up. Yeah. They're not going to have know, as many goals. I, I've seen Ovechkin play a couple of times this year. I, I don't know if I can make any logical conclusion that I think he has really slowed down to the point where I don't think he can be effective. I think somebody with that type of shot and the ability to be on the power play. Now, I think Backstrom and Carlson are a big part of getting him the puck, and I think if they're not playing well or injured, you're going to see those numbers decline. But he's such a, a huge force partner and physically imposing. I don't know if if him slowing down is something that is going to happen this year because I think he can find ways to score goals. Yeah. Might not be 50, but that might be directly related to his team around him. Phil has said that. Phil has said you know? he thinks he'll break the record if the Capitals stay good. If they if they dip, it's going to be more of a slog. Gretzky was what eight ninety two. I think that's yeah. Gretzky's total. Ovechkin is now at eight twenty four. So doing some quick back of the napkin math at sixty eight goals to tie sixty nine to to take the lead. That's not a small number. Look, no. if he keeps up his average of 40 a year, then it'll take him two years. Somewhere in that two-year range. But if he's down to like 15 to 20, you know, you're looking at much longer, right? 20 goals a year for the next three years isn't going to get it done. Yeah. It makes, a, it makes a lot of sense uh, at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in the conversation. I know we've kind of gone a little yeah, over we, the place, we've which had has a been few okay. detours here. I mean, listen, here's the other thing. Let's just be Is let's Joe Pavelski a Hall of Famer or will Ovechkin break Gretzky's record? It is let's hockey just be, talk, though. But let's just be very, very frank. I mean, we're it's San Jose. It's San Jose. And I, like, you want to treat every opponent the way you, <laughs> elite teams are treated when the Lightning play. And are, could the Lightning lose this game tonight? Of course they could. We've seen them have bad losses over the last few years. But there's not a lot of things that are sexy about San Jose, Dave, in terms of on the ice and the way they play. It's just where it is. George says, we have seen in the past how the Bolts tend to play down to the level of some worse teams in the past. What do we have to do tonight so we keep the intensity up? Boy, isn't that the million-dollar question? Yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm not sure that I'm not sure that I totally agree with that, George. Have the Lightning dropped games? Maybe he's not saying they've actually dropped games. He feels that they aren't playing as well as they do against higher-end teams. And and look, I guess that's possible. I remember they had a a tough start against Arizona on New Year's Eve last year. Remember that game, Greg? And then they rallied I did. and won. I mean, they did sweep Anaheim last year. Yep. Just mentioned they did lose to the Sharks in overtime last year here, but they won the game in San Jose. Vancouver was a non-playoff team last year. They swept them. I mean, I'm just trying to think of, of lower-end teams, right, and and how they did against them. Columbus last year in the East, Lightning won all three games from Columbus. But yeah, I think his point is that sometimes, whether it's the Lightning specifically or any team, you can exhale when a perceived lower end team is on your schedule, and sure. that is a that is not a recipe for success. You could get into trouble if that happens. You could, and I think it's it's cliche. The salary cap definitely narrows the gap when it comes to talent between two teams. So even though I would be shocked if San Jose beat Tampa Bay, you know, you're going to get that narrative that, well, look, anybody can beat anybody. 
Every team is is closely aligned when it comes to talent. Mm. I don't know if that's the case tonight. I think honestly, where the Lightning would struggle, Dave, if they just came out flat. Yeah, and maybe there's some bad goals. George's maybe some bad point, goals. Right. Yeah. Like the result as much as how they look. Now, San Jose has one overtime loss this year. And that came at home against Colorado. And they were within a minute, I believe, of winning that game. They were up one nothing. And it was a shootout loss. So Mackenzie Blackwood was in net for that game. And the Sharks could have won that game. And if they had won it, it would have been because the goalie stole it. So you can have that too. Like <laughs> one team could play very well and just the goalie is stopping everything. The Avalanche outshot the Sharks in that game 52-21. to So Blackwood made 51 saves through regulation and overtime. I mean, listen to the, the shot disparity in these games that San Jose has had. And I'm going to give you, they have been outshot in every game. So I'm going to give you the other team's shot number first. 32-23, They had a close one at Nashville, 34-32, although they lost 5-1. And then their last game against the Panthers, 36-28. So that tells you in broad strokes, they don't have the puck a lot, and they're really leaning on their goaltender. Now, they have a back-to-back, so we'll either see Blackwood or Kapo Kakinen, who is the backup tonight. They go to Carolina tomorrow. Yeah. Blackwood has had the better year so far. Blackwood's interesting because I feel like when he was with New Jersey, they wanted him to be the guy. They did, but he's had injury problems, and Vanacek and Schmied basically took his job. Yeah. Took the starter's job and the backup job. If I remember correctly, too, he was one of a handful of players, too, that didn't go along with the, the vaccine. You are right, but, I mean, that that shouldn't have mattered Last I don't, year, like in terms I mean, of last playing, year, though, like in terms of playing, because weren't right. there like you go to Canada, you couldn't play. Yeah, that was in the 2021 like, season. I don't know if that how much that affected him. Maybe I, I don't. I, and and that I think it was, it was more of a performance thing for sure. But it was just kind yeah. of like an interesting anecdote to his his. And story. when you're injured, you can't play, and it gives somebody else an opportunity. And they brought in Vanacek from Washington. Schmid had been in their system, and they're one and two now. In New Jersey. So isn't it interesting how some teams just, I don't know if it's the GMs have each other on speed dial or they like talking. Yeah. Certain teams seem to, to have a lot of trades. Like the Lightning and Rangers do a lot of trades over the years. They have done a lot of trades. But it seems like the Devils and Sharks do a lot of trading. I mean, they had the Timo Meyer deal. But also the Devils traded Blackwood to the Sharks for a draft pick. Yeah. Totally separate deal. At Bolts Radio, if you would like to get involved with the conversation, we certainly can do just that. What do you make of the game tonight? And is it a situation where, you know, when we take a look at how things are transpiring and where the lightning are. Uh, how are you viewing this game? And I think it's something that we've kind of hit home about with uh, the lightning and, and where they are. It is interesting though, when you do talk about Tampa Bay partner, there is a sense that the last couple of games may be turning a corner a little bit with how they're playing, um, what they want to do with their lineup. And I got to tell you, if they get, you know, the Braden point going, Honestly, I, I think that can do wonders for this team. Yeah. And when I say going, like, you know, just seeing Braden Point um, do some incredible things. I actually, you know? I asked him, I, I he was the player I talked to today in the room, and I asked him if he felt like he had more room these last few games, because that's what it's looked like from the press box. He's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it seemed like on the road trip you didn't have much 
room that the defenders were on you, he's like, yeah, maybe it's kind of getting into the rhythm of the season. So, I mean, that's Braden for you. Like, he kind of downplays a lot of stuff relating to himself, honestly. And he's never one to make excuses either. So he, his words, he said it's about getting kind of into the rhythm of the season, getting your timing and all of that. And look, his game is predicated on timing. You know, when you're skating that fast and you're getting the puck, giving the puck, like it does matter whether you are in sync with your line mates. But he's definitely getting in the clear in the last few games, more than what we saw at the start of the season. Maybe if you exclude the first period of opening night against Nashville, that line was dominant. It was pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> so no we'll doubt. see. I also asked him if it's more like when when a new forward joins him and Cooch, like is it more they kind of have to integrate that player or that player is responsible for integrating himself? And he's like, it's a little bit of both. But he said Barry Boulay is a very smart player and can really shoot the puck, which we saw that in the preseason. We haven't seen that as much since he's been on that line. But if he starts shooting, because he can shoot. I mean, you don't score as many goals as he scored in the American Hockey League without being able to shoot the puck. That would add another dynamic element to that line. But they've been very good as a trio. For sure. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. You want to touch on the Shane Pinto thing? Did you see that break today? Tell me. Shane Pinto was suspended by the NHL 41 games for being involved. Well, let me read the release. The National Hockey League announced today is suspended NHL player Shane Pinto for 41 games for activities relating to sports wagering. The investigation found no evidence that Pinto made any wagers on NHL games. So this is, they've kind of opened the door for betting. We we know that. Like, we see the advertisements and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of sports leagues do that. But they, it's the old, you know, Chicago Black Sox, right? <laughs> you know, going back if people don't know what I'm talking about, rent eight men out and, and watch that movie. Great movie. But love the idea that, that <laughs> you would love that movie too. I love it. Yeah. Love it. But the idea that, you know, players who are participating in the games may be involved somehow. And, and look, I don't know what happened exactly, but if Pinto, if they found no evidence that he actually made any wagers on NHL games, clearly he did something which he owned up to. He apologized and he spent it for half the season. Now, he was the guy that the Senators wanted to, to sign. He's a restricted free agent. They wanted to bring him in and rejoin their team, but they had no money. They had no cap space. So I don't know what this does to, to that part of the equation. But he's not going to be eligible to even put on an NHL uniform until the season's halfway over. That tells you how seriously the NHL took this. Whatever whatever evidence they did find, they found something because they suspended him for 41 games. Shouldn't they tell us what he did? You'd like, I'd like that, to wouldn't know. you? Well, I, I mean, make an example. Well, they said activities were leading to sports wagering. Okay, well, what does that mean? I mean, to me, that means he betted. <laughs> right? He, he wagered. I have no idea how that works, by the way. I think you really... Is it is it asking too much when you would you say in in, in a way maybe in, in more of a direct way that these sports teams directly profit and benefit from from betting? Well, they do. Yeah, that's what I mean. So like, what, yeah, I I think you put these guys in a tough spot in some ways. Well, I don't know. If this clarifies your your question or answers your question or clarifies the situation. But Chris Johnston, one of our guests on on this program excellent reporter he wrote key aspect of the nhl's release is that they found no evidence he bet on nhl games reasonable to think punishment would have been even more severe if it had found that evidence so what do you think he did if you had a guess based off of that information i don't know 
And I don't know how this even came to light. Yeah. Hmm. All we can go on is what is released. And I don't know what it means. I don't know how to interpret activities relating to sports wagering, but that's what the press release said. I've never gotten into the wagering. I yeah, never, neither have I. I never dipped my toe into gambling, you know, um, the fantasy football stuff. I never really got into, and I'm probably one of – I'm in the minority there. I understand that, and you probably are too, partner. One, I just – it's too much time, yeah. and I don't have it. A buddy and that's of just being mine, honest. we had a fantasy football team together, but this is going back really starting – around the time the fantasy football became a thing. That's how long ago it was. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And, and we gave it up probably as it was, it was starting to become big-time mainstream. It's just life gets busy, and we were no longer we – were, we were roommates, so it was a lot easier when we shared a roof, you know, to, to work on our team together. And, you know, life gets more complicated, and you can't allocate that same amount of time. But that, that was really the extent of it for me. Pinto did release a statement. This is a direct quote. I want to apologize to the NHL, the Ottawa Senators, my teammates, the fans, and city of Ottawa, and most importantly, my family. I take full responsibility for my actions and look forward to getting back on the ice with my team. So, look, I take full responsibility for my actions. He's acknowledging he did something, whatever that something was. Hmm. I should have put more money on. (laughs) (laughs) How do you, you know... Again, it, I don't really think about it too much because I think most, if not everybody, is pretty honest when it comes to winning games with integrity and not mm-hmm. doing anything illegal. And maybe this was a lapse of judgment, like it not understanding a- that what he was doing was wrong. I mean, it's certainly possible that that was the case. If he didn't actually wager on NHL games, maybe he thought whatever it is that he did do was okay, and the NHL said absolutely not. Or it was the other that did something he knew was verboten, as they say, and and got caught. We don't know. I'm not sure we'll ever know. Unless those roving reporters, the Pierre Lebruns and Darren Dreggers and Chris Johnstons and the like, unearth exactly what happened i was going to ask you like obviously it's a big deal in sports today and it is allowed the popularity for a lot of these sports leagues to prosper in a huge way or just bring more attention maybe even more revenue mm-hmm. obviously but how do you feel about that dynamic, sports and betting, the way it's been, I want to say, embraced by a lot of the sports leagues out there? Maybe because they've had to. Maybe because it's so prominent in our our society today that you almost can't do one without the other. So you might as well live with one another rather than try and resist it. But, I, I mean, have you ever, like, felt that dynamic was something not good for the sports i mean it's it's here and i think it's here to stay so i'm probably more i wouldn't even use the word resign because that implies that that i have like an aversion to it i'm not sure i have an aversion to it i'm not sure i'm a major proponent of it i just understand that it's here and and the people who are following a sport not just hockey a sport more than they would otherwise because they literally have skin in the game. Like, the leagues want that. They want eyeballs on their sport. I totally understand that. If you're asking me to make this completely personal and taking every other element out of it, you've heard me go off enough about the changing of the shots well after the period ends, we can thank sports betting for that. Now, look, I want the shots to be accurate. I just wish they got them accurate the first time, the first time through. But I think the fact that we're we're coming on the air the next day and I'm saying, look, I wrote down that the Lightning had 22 shot attempts in the first period, but I have no idea if that's accurate because they may have changed it. That's what they had it at, at the end of the first period. That, to me, is a little frustrating 
and that is related to this this focus i guess or this integration of of sports betting that we didn't have a couple of years ago but that's a really selfish kind of myopic way to look at it so I fully acknowledge that. But you asked me my opinion. I'm no, not a better, I, I and, yeah. and I'm not opposed to it. But that's how it has a direct impact on me and what I do. So, And that's an honest opinion. Yeah, I gave I, you an honest answer. I, like you, never really got into the fantasy sports. But it was a situation where I think it, it everybody has done some sort of fantasy football, mm-hmm. baseball, basketball. But I think as you get older, for me, I just I don't have the time to like keep up. Nor do I want to. <laughs> you know, I think priorities change. Yeah, at least for me, I think that's kind of how I, I looked at it. Um, Boy, you've had a, uh, a a show filled with many varied topics today, haven't we? True. Chris Cran, a couple of news items here. Um, Ruta was out there checking out his former teammates. Yeah. Recently Just played his 300th this. game. Thank you, Are they going to do a tribute? Are they going to do tribute? Well, they did one last year. Did they do he last year? came back one? with Pittsburgh, yeah. Oh, that's right. He did. <laughs> Is it bad that I forgot he played well, with Pittsburgh look, last year? <laughs> he, he was part of the Eric Carlson deal, as was Mikhail Granlin, who is currently hurt. So he's another guy. Like, he's been a scorer in the NHL. Granlin, I mean, he's not a huge scorer, but he's got 145 goals in 750 games. He looked but he's awful. Hurt. When he was with Pittsburgh, by the way, he was just now. I think some of that was just Ron Hextall was just complete disaster as a it's GM. It's tough for some guys to come in at the deadline too, as it we've is. talked about. But I think Granlin's numbers, and again for what you're paying, I think he's a five million dollar guy, Dave. I mean, that's like you got to give me something if I'm going to pay you that, mm-hmm. you know. And it just it hasn't worked out, but. You know what will be interesting to to follow tonight? Because Lightning had a pretty good year to start the year on faceoffs. The San Jose Sharks are tied for second in the NHL in faceoff percentage. And it's basically down to two guys. Interesting. Nico Sturm, who played against the Lightning in the Stanley Cup final for Colorado back in 2022. He was a fourth-line center for Colorado, and now he's he's in San Jose. It's his second year in San Jose. He's number one in the NHL in faceoff percentage, 63.6%. And then Tomas Hurdle is fourth in the NHL, 63.2%. Hurdle has taken more faceoffs than Sturm, but between the two of them, they've taken the vast majority of faceoffs on San Jose, and they are both over 60% early this year. So even with that, they have been really badly outshot in a lot of games, as have the Lightning. The Lightning have done well on faceoffs, and they've been badly outshot. As a whole this year. Yeah. But we'll see how the Lightning do in the circle against San Jose tonight. Hmm. Well, partner, I'm going to see you tonight. See you A few tonight. hours, and then we'll be back at it again, wrapping things up. It's been a fun week, and we'll put a bow on it tomorrow. But we got the game tonight, 6.30 pregame. Puck drops at 7. We hope you're with us. Steve Ersnick, thank you. Thanks to Austin Wright as well. I am Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.